The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American power, politics and society. On each episode, I will talk to an American expert or an expert on America about something that's going on in America in 2023. I'm very pleased to be joined today by Jacob Halbrin, the editor of The National Interest, and I think I could say our resident Trump-phobe at the Americano podcast. He's looking a bit ambiguous about that um, introduction. Jacob, we're going to talk about Donald Trump's indictment, which emerged last night, was revealed last night, on 30 counts relating to fraud. The indictment is still sealed, I believe, unless it's been unsealed in the last half hour or so. And uh, it's a big moment. It's a big historical moment, whichever way you look at it. A, A president, the last president, first president to be criminally indicted, and the leading contender to be uh, the Republican nominee next year is being indicted. Trumpists are saying that this is the weaponization of justice, that America's looking like a banana republic. Do you disagree? I don't think that it's looking like a banana republic. Quite the contrary. The problem with the American presidency is that it has grown into the imperial presidency and presidents, American presidents have operated with impunity, particularly since World War One. And this has been a long-standing conservative concern, in fact. And maybe the problem isn't that Trump has been indicted, but that no one before him has. And that other presidents have gotten scot away scot-free with outrageous behavior. In this case, you have both Trump's legal predicament and the legal, and the political fallout, which have to be distinguished. My gut is that Trump may be in more legal jeopardy than has been commonly assumed, that the sheer number of counts suggests that the Alvin Bragg, the New York prosecutor, does in fact potentially have the goods on Trump. At the same time, politically, for the moment, this certainly fortifies Trump's position as the front runner in the Republican Party. Mm. It occurred to me that perhaps uh, Alvin Bragg has mixed bits of, because there were sort of two, two cases that they were looking at, or Bragg was looking at. He was looking at the tax affairs and he was looking at the Stormy Daniels payment. And perhaps he's mixed the two together to, to produce 30 charges of tax fraud. It's certainly possible. What I have read and what I know, I think, is as much as anyone does without having seen the counts, is that Bragg has produced witnesses and documents that are not public knowledge. Now, did Trump's former consigliere, Mr. Weisselberg, did he flip? Or, or as well, has David Pecker, 
the former head of the National Enquirer, who testified multiple times before the grand jury, has he provided damning information about Trump's actions and behavior? Those will be two big questions. Uh, it is interesting that Trump apparently was not prepared for this indictment to come down yesterday, so he was caught flat-footed. Mm. But again, the it, it's also quite fascinating to see how much of the Republican Party, including the party establishment, has rallied behind Trump to say that this is, in a way, victor's justice by the Democrats, right? That they won the election and that they are now weaponizing the deep state against Donald Trump. Mm. We should say Trump did say this was coming. I think it was about 10 days ago now. Was it a weekend before last? Was it the weekend before last that he said it was coming? I can't remember. Yes, he certainly, he prepped the ground for this. But the but the latest reports were that he, he didn't think that the actual indictment would occur for another month or so. Yes, yes. And that, yeah, and, that, and within Trump world, people were sort of, sources within Trump were suggesting they thought that perhaps it had been dropped because the grand, the grand jury wasn't convinced. And that turns out to have been wrong. If, as you suggest, might be the case, somebody has flipped and given, a witness has, has flipped and given key information, this would probably relate to the fact that the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels were actually related to the campaign, which would make them a campaign contribution, which would be a federal crime. Is that right? Yes. And that would put Trump in, a, in, in legal jeopardy. But mm. we don't know what, what's in all of these counts. Um, but the supposition would be that once you start poking into the affairs of Donald Trump and the Trump organization, that one thing leads to the next and Trump has obviously skated on the edge of the law for his entire career, but he's never actually been indicted. And it was his foray into politics that turned him into more of a public figure and has exposed him to this vulnerability. There are also, of course, the two other uh, investigations that are going on right now, both in Georgia and the special counsel in mm. investigation of January 6th and the concealment of documents. So Trump, you know, he he does thrive on adversity, though. We should remember that, Freddie. And he's going to dominate the news cycle. For the media, this is a, this is a gift, a free gift to continue focusing on what is truly the biggest celebrity in America, Donald Trump. Well, you say that he's always flirted with the, being on the wrong side of the law. I mean, he's probably the most investigated person in America. And this is the first time he's been indicted. So far, uh, all of the investigations have not come up Trump's. They've come up quite flat. Well, that's not quite true. I mean, he has been busted, as it were, before. I mean, with Trump University, he's had to pay major settlements in the past. It's it's just never gone to an actual trial. Yes. And that and now Trump is claiming that he will not settle this time, that he is ready to go to trial. Yes. And presumably the reason he's ready to go to trial is that he thinks that there is upside for him politically. And as as you said, it, it validates his his and the Republicans' narrative that the deep state will stop at nothing, that the Democrats have effectively become so corrupt now that they will pursue him legally 
in order to stop him politically. Yeah, it's definitely politically an upside for him. It consolidates his hold on the Republican Party. It forced, well, it didn't force, but it prompted Ron DeSantis to rally to Trump's side. I think in the short term, it's a plus. In a general election, having these indictments and hanging over him and the scorched earth tactics and rhetoric that Trump is employing, I don't think it will redound to his benefit. Let, let me push back on what you've been saying, because it, I would agree with what the Trumpists are saying, and I don't always agree with what Trumpists say, but I would agree that this is not what justice is meant to be about. I'm sorry if that sounds pious, but normally you there's a crime and you find the perpetrator. You don't find somebody you think is guilty and then explore every facet of their life and try and get him in some way. Uh, Alan Dershowitz has written a book about this. It's, it is a political witch hunt and does wreak a little bit of a banana republic because, um, because of the stakes, because you're talking about someone who's leading the race to be the Republican nominee next year. And it sets a very dangerous precedent for what governments or governmental institutions can do to people that they feel threatened by. Let me flip it around. I think even if it is political, I don't, I don't think it rises to the level of which... Let's not say even if it is. I mean, it is. It is. Can we agree that it is? Um, well, it's inherently political because of Trump's status. I'd, I'd put it that way. Not just that. But, th- but wait, wait, wait. Sorry, Jacob. But not just that. Because the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, has said lots of comments about getting Trump. Letitia James, the New York Attorney General, has made it clear that she wanted to get Trump. They were both elected pretty much on the promise of getting Trump. And now it's happened. I mean, that is political, the political weaponization of justice. Well, I would actually say, I mean, Bragg came under fire initially uh, for being too cautious about pursuing Trump. So I guess I'm more prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt than you are. What I would say is... <laughs> so he's, he's making amends now, maybe. Like Watergate, the question will be, does this in fact result in the trivialization of, of the justice system? Because in Watergate, you then have the, the impeachment simply becomes a political weapon. It, it's, uh, are we, are we going to head down that way? Are there Democrats going to regret this in 20 years? Is there going to be a Democratic president that, that Republicans go after? So that, that is fair enough. In the short term, Look, Trump is presumed innocent unless he's found guilty. Um, I am not unduly concerned by the fact that he is being prosecuted. I don't think that presidents should be immune from the justice system. It, is, it doesn't work this way in other countries. Mr. Netanyahu has legal difficulties in Israel that he's trying to evade. Israeli presidents have been sent to, to jail. So, you know... I think Trump is uh, will have to deal with the messes that he created. Well, I, I'd agree that presidents should not be above the law, but I think what I'm saying is that Donald Trump is effectively beneath the law at the moment in that the legal system is going through everything he's ever done in, an, in a flagrant attempt to get him, as I say, for something. And 
presidents shouldn't be pursued by the Justice Department just because they're presidents. But I don't think that's what's occurring here. I think Trump, at the most, you could argue that in the New York case. But again, it's a very, well, it's a, as far as we know, it's a specific case. We don't know what all these counts are. Hmm. But that's why, again, I would caution against assuming that the New York case is a trivial one. At this point, we, we don't know. I mean, obviously, Trump's defenders, and you're free to, to be one, of course, will argue that this is a miscarriage of justice and that, that there is no there there. I am agnostic on that right now. Yes. I suppose another point that might be made is that the Republicans are pursuing the current president, Joe Biden, over these wire payments from China to a Biden family associate who then distributed, I think it was $3 million that was wired from a Chinese energy company to this associate of the Bidens, who two months after Joe Biden stopped being vice president, and then that associate then distributed the money to various members of the family, Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, Haley Biden, Joe Biden's daughter-in-law, and another Biden, another mystery Biden, which some people are wondering, is that Joe Biden? The, the House Republicans are going to pursue that. What struck me is that the that story is very little talked about, really. Yes, you'll hear about it on Fox News. You'll hear about it in the in the right-wing echo chamber. But that echo chamber is, is quite neatly hermetically sealed, um, certainly internationally. I mean, no, nobody in Britain is talking about the, apart from maybe me, <laughs> is talking about the Biden-China connection, like they talked about the Trump-Russia connection. There's an obvious bias in a lot of the media, and that combines with a political establishment that, that leans very heavily against Trump. I think that if there is something there, the New York Times, the Washington Post will be all over it. They like nothing better than to show that they are objective and going after Democrats as well as Republicans. So far, the Hunter Biden case has not amounted to a hill of beans. And the House Republicans, Jim Jordan in particular, have not been very effective in making their in making their case. So I am again not as confident as you are, Freddie, that the that the that the media is trying to obscure or bury the Hunter Biden case. If in fact he has perpetrated crimes, he should he, look, he should obviously be brought to book. But uh, I don't think that the Republicans have made a persuasive case yet. Well, I mean, I suppose on your side, the argument, there's also the story of Jared Kushner. I think the New York Times has a very interesting piece today about the amount of money that Qatar and other entities have given Jared Kushner's company. That's Trump's son-in-law, obviously, which suggests, you know, national security concerns about what's going on there. But I do think I do think I, I think it's indisputable that Donald Trump has been hounded. And regardless of whether this I think, you know, whether this helps him politically or not, is not at the moment the, the most important question. The most important question is, does it make the American legal system a complete joke? I disagree, Freddie. I think it's all political here. Yeah. And no, it does not make the, the, the American political system a, a complete joke. I think, if anything, it validates the contention that the, the president is not a monarch, that if Trump is writing checks 
as president in the White House to Michael Cohen to reimburse him for his payments to Stormy Daniels, a mm. porn star. There's something awry here. You, you, can't, you can't have the president uh, engaging in a hush money scheme while, while he is in office. Or, I mean, he, he is but it's flouted the law. Trump has flouted the law his entire career. But it's not and illegal. I'm, but it's not it, illegal, is my point. It, it we will find out. I mean, I hush money in itself is not illegal. So just because the book, Freddie, just because the president does it doesn't mean it's illegal, is what I'm saying. Right, and it also doesn't mean that it's illegal. Yeah, but we're going to find out. I mean, it's certainly unsavory. But by the way, I'm not trying to argue a side here, as as you suggested earlier. I am happy to see Hunter Biden put in shackles and, and taken off to and imprisoned if he's done something illegal. And the Kushner thing that you mentioned is also appears to be pretty dicey. I mean, the, the, the billions that he's received from Saudi Arabia. This is why maybe the, the broader concern or, you know, the, the why we have this uprising against elites in America, because the corruption seems to be pretty widespread. Mm. And I mean, in the old Heilbrunn, in Heilbrunn's Republic, which president would not have been prosecuted? Post-war president, any of them? Uh, you probably, probably, you know, at the time I thought it was better that, that Nixon was not prosecuted for his transgressions. But maybe that did lead more to the to the Trump imbroglio. And uh Maybe it's I don't want to just single out Republican presidents, but they seem to have more predilection for criminality, whereas the Democrats seem to engage more in sexual peccadilloes like Bill Clinton. Yes. Although, I mean, there are plenty of possible criminal <laughs> allegations within those sexual peccadilloes with Bill Clinton. Well, yeah. the Clinton administration um, and Perhaps, you know, I've always wondered. I mean, Hillary Clinton never got into hot water for I mean, she got into hot water, but it was never prosecuted for the cattle futures. There, there are certainly murky aspects to the Clintons. I mean, isn't it just the problem of if you are in a very powerful position anywhere in the world, be that either by being very rich or by having a lot of political power, you're going to have been involved in something that at some stage somebody may be able to say was illegal. No. Uh, if you look at Barack Obama, for example, squeaky clean. Really? I'd say that, yes, pretty much the same what for about George that, W. What about that property George. in Chicago that he was given when he was a senator? He was given a, he was given a property by a billionaire. Oh, my God. I, this, this, I, I don't, I've never seen anything about it, but you're one step ahead of me on this one. The other ones that I would say would be George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush were squeaky clean. Gerald Ford was squeaky clean. The Kennedys are their own story, of course. Yeah. Although uh, the, the Bush administration so, was, you could say, had, you know, uh, Cheney, Enron. Yes. Cheney was not the kind of criminal that, that Donald Trump is. I mean, we're we're talking about rampant criminality here, Freddie. Yeah. Um, I don't think that Trump's behavior is remotely uh, the norm for American presidents. 
Well, let's talk about let's get well, let's get away from the legal side because I don't think we're getting anywhere on the political side. As you say, a sh- possible short short term upside for Trump, and then long term, you know, looking ahead to the election, will it put off a lot of voters? Will they not want to vote for somebody who's been tarred with these allegations? I suppose the answer to that is everybody knew this stuff by the t- by the 2016 election, and the extraordinary thing about Trump is that his obvious immorality sexually, his affairs, his dalliances with porn stars and all that, and the the sort of crazy story of Donald Trump did not stop him winning an election. No, they in some ways they may even have helped because they they created the image of a of a daredevil figure who uh who was a real man. And uh that that I think did did not hurt him during the election. I think since then, the the January sixth events put a real dent into his uh, popularity. But he does have a raison d'etre now to to campaign against the deep state. But that that may animate the Republican base. But I don't. Again, I don't see it as a persuasive argument for helping Americans lead better lives. You know, you have the issues of abortion guns, the economy. What are Trump's answers to those? I don't think he has any. Well, we could get into that. But let's talk about January 6th a bit, because I think January 6th, to me, is a great example of the way that Trump always manages to make his opponents or enemies overreach. For instance, on January 6th, I mean, if if everybody had just agreed that it was a very terrible day for America, very embarrassing on the global stage and so on, and shouldn't be happening again. And it was obviously Trump's sort of recklessness in talking about the election was obviously a factor. Then I think possibly they could have kind of banished him from political life. Instead, they set up the January 6th committee, which was absurdly partisan. I mean, I don't care that it had Republicans on it. They were clearly Republicans who hated Trump. And then, you know, they the, the allegations against Trump were extremely... Uh, biased and selective, you know, they kept they they cut the words peacefully from his speech when he said, oh, you know, people should protest peacefully. They turned it into something that Trump says it was, <laughs> as it were. They 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 validated his narrative. Well, I I don't think January sixth has helped Trump with anyone beyond the Republican base, and I think the other thing that it did was. When he is indicted, for example, and, and he's been calling implicitly for, you know, for violent protests in America, I don't think it's going to happen because so many of the, the perpetrators of January 6th were put on trial and, and a lot are in, have been imprisoned. So I think making an example of that was actually salutary for American democracy. And my perception of the January 6th inquiry is is different than yours. I thought Trump did suffer some big hits during the testimony, including from Cassidy Hutchinson, when she reported that he tried to grab a Secret Service agent by the throat, wanted to go up to the Capitol, was throwing plates in the White House. So I am uh, more skeptical than you. Freddie, about the perception of January 6th in the United States. I think the pro- the prosecution now gives Trump a better opportunity to portray himself as a victim. Mm. And what about the Georgia case? The, the, the charge against him there is that he said 
I need to find 12,000 ballots, I think it was. And his defenders will say, you know, the key word there is find. It's not, you know... Provide. It's not provide, yeah. yeah. He's careful with his language. Yes. Um, I don't know. You know, the irony here could, would be, is, is, is the New York case in the end the one that is the most ironclad and potent? Have we got it all backwards? You know, Trump's adversaries, everyone is assuming that Georgia and potentially January 6th are more serious cases. Maybe they're more difficult to prove than the New York one. Mm-hmm. I I am open-minded on this. And I think the, the media tends to be a bunch of trend bunnies and they don't actually think about these cases in a uh in a in a counterintuitive way they don't they don't they don't think they don't examine what might actually be taking place they just assume they take the conventional wisdom and run with it mm. well you're always counterintuitive <laughs> um i think another interesting political development let's, let's talk about this is that ron DeSantis has said that you know if new york tries to extradite trump from florida then he won't let that happen. I don't think there's any serious suggestion that that will be the case because I think Trump's lawyers have said that he will go to New York on Tuesday. So there's not going to be a kind of extradition thing between states. But quite interesting that DeSantis made that statement, is it not? Yes, I mean, as Trump now has DeSantis over a barrel because he, first of all, Trump is, is dominating the publicity and DeSantis, who wants to woo the same base that Trump appeals to, has to defend Trump. So he can't go on the offense against Trump. So, and why would Trump not want to go to New York? He's going to try and milk the publicity for all it's worth. Well, DeSantis has been going on the offense a little bit. You know, there's been sort of statements that that certainly Trump, the Trump circle have taken as hostile, which is, you know, he said, I can't speak to what happens with porn stars or whatever. And the Trump people took that as a diss. And then I think, was it earlier this week, he said, we talked a lot about building a wall, but we're actually going, we actually have to do it, which was an obvious dig at Trump's failure to build a wall. There's no, there's no assurance that DeSantis is going to run. Yeah, He may decide to sit out this election because he knows that if he, were DeSantis to run and win the Republican nomination, Trump would would himself run as a third party candidate, yeah. just to stymie. So there's really, unless Trump is demolished in the coming months, I don't see the upside for DeSantis to run. Do you think if the indictments have the sort of damning evidence you suggest, do you think Trump will go to jail and then run from jail, as a lot of people are talking about? I mean, he could try it. It would but the question is, what jail would, would Trump go to anyway? They'd have to create some kind of special incarceration for him. He would still be entitled to Secret Service protection. Yeah. You think the service agents are going to live in a, in a federal penitentiary? <laughs> I don't think anyone's actually thought this through. How do you incarcerate an ex-U.S. president? Yeah. Well, Eugene Debs campaign from prison, didn't he? A socialist candidate. Uh, got a million votes. So, and that was vindictive of, of Woodrow Wilson to imprison him. That was an outrage. Yeah. So it's, it's no, nothing's really all that new. Well, Debs, Debs was a candidate. Again, he wasn't an ex-president. 
But uh, that is when the deep state, if you prefer, was first created under Woodrow Wilson. It's part of the progressive era. And the, uh, the FBI emerged from World War I, and you had the, uh, the targeting of Germans, and then you had the Red Scare, and that's the rise of Herbert Hoover. So mm. if you want to blame the deep state on someone, blame it on Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. Well, Jacob, I think we'll end it there. But thank you very much for coming on to Americano. Great pleasure to have you on, as always. Always a pleasure and a delight to joust with you. <laughs> Bye, Jacob. Thank you very much for listening to the Americano podcast. I would like to thank my brilliant producer, Natasha Faroz, and the rest of the Spectators broadcast team. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Thank you very much. God bless America. (laughs) 